All righty. <laughs> See, this is where it gets real. Everyone quiets down. And then, you know, listen, I, I am extremely nervous, but I'm super, super excited. And I don't like starting my message just like I'm going to start it because I feel like I put everyone on edge. But uh, I was talking to somebody before, and the original title of this message was going to be the moment I realized I was a Pharisee. That's not my title, but that was <laughs> the title of the message. And um, this measure has been vetted by like a thousand people. That's an exaggeration, but it has been vetted by a lot of different people that I trust, the teaching team, the pastors of the church. Uh, it's changed maybe 10 different times since I've written this in the last two months because I've known for a while that I was going to be preaching today. Um, so let me just start by saying this. If there's anything in this message that rubs you the wrong way, offends a little bit, you know, take it to Jesus. And what I mean by that is uh, it's not that I'm pawning it to Jesus or I'm telling you, like, I don't want to talk about it. But I realize since I've been at this church, there's been so many different things that Taka have said that have rubbed me the wrong way. That Natalie have said that have rubbed me the wrong way. That Eric has said that rubbed me the wrong way. And instead of complaining about it, I've kind of just gone, mm, I don't know about this. And I've gone back to prayer. And more often than not, it's just me and my religious self that has to deal with certain things that I've have dealt with in the last five years since I've been a part of this ministry. So if there's anything in this message that legitimately just rubs you the wrong way, like, let's have a conversation. But at the same time, let me encourage you, honestly, like, go pray to Jesus and see if it's a, a, a me problem, a we problem, an us problem, and then pray through it. Because there's going to be certain things that I'm going to talk about today that maybe you are still me, and I don't mean to be so challenging. And again, it's not going to be that drastically bad, but I did just want to start off by saying, extend some grace over here. This is why this message has been so difficult for me, um, because I just don't want to offend anybody. I'm not in a place like that where I, I feel like I don't want to point all five fingers and all ten toes towards your way and make you feel so shamed. So today, uh, extend some grace. So let me pray. And then I'll go straight to it, and then we'll talk about what I believe God has laid in my heart. Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for this awesome opportunity I've given me, Father, to just be here today. Lord, it's, it's just amazing to see where I was five, ten years ago and where I am today, and all the glory goes to you, Lord. And I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you've given me a second chance to come up here and do something that I love to do and at the same time scared of, Lord. Father, I pray that you will continue to speak through me and that you will continue to filter this message. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 One of the cool things about hosting, and it's either a good thing or a bad thing, uh, at least in the last year and a half, is that some of you have seen the journey that I've been a part of in the last year and a half in my journey with God. If you would have heard me host or speak, uh, at least in the beginning of the pandemic, I was not in a very good mental health, mental state of mind. I was very angry. I was very mad. Uh, there was a lot of things going on at a personal level. There was a lot of things going on with my family. There was a lot of things going on through the pandemic. There was death. There was a lot of things that happened during the pandemic. 
pandemic and it's something that I struggle with. And I've said it before, but it's worth saying it again. You know, my wife got to see somebody that I'm not proud of and something that I hope she never gets to see ever again because I was not at a good place. So when I was given the opportunity to host, a lot of the times, you know, I speak about the things that God speaks to me or I speak about the things that God is teaching me or whatever it may be. And through the evolution of my journey at this church over the last, last couple of years, I've mentioned that I grew up in a very conservative church. And I've mentioned that I grew up in a very conservative home. And the implication oftentimes has been that it's been very negative. But truth be told, even though my, my, my tenure at my previous church was pretty ugly the last two months, like it's so ugly because as I was practicing and I was going over this message, I started thinking about the people that were doing ministry with my wife and I, and almost every single one of them is not a part of a church anymore. And I'm not saying that it's because of what happened the last two months I was in my previous church. What I am saying is that it took me eight years to get over the things that I heard from people that I respected, from people that I love, from people who were mentoring me, from people who I thought had the best interest over my life, over my wife's lives, or extended families that all used to go to the same church. And to this day, I, I, without an exaggeration, I think my wife and I and maybe another person are the only ones who are still trying to figure this whole church thing out again. And every single one of them, they've all left. All have left. But there's a lot of good things, a lot of great things that I, lo- that I learned at my previous church. I learned the value of worship. Like it was an understood thing and it was an assumption that when you came to church, God was here. Like God is here. So when you came to worship, you weren't ready. You weren't getting ready for the band to lead you. You weren't waiting for Joe. You weren't waiting for Kathy. You knew that the reason why you came to church was to glorify the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings because you understood that the reason why you're here is for him and no one else. So I understood the value of worship. And to this day, I still carry that with me everywhere I go because I know that God is here. So whenever I'm going through a difficult circumstance or a difficult season, it's just me and God. And no one else matters. The worship team can stink. They can miss the song. They don't have to be on beat. I am here to worship God. And it was understood. Like everyone knew this. Prayer was something that I learned. It was a powerful thing and it still is. I learned the value of prayer. Like I learned to fight with my words. We have often have spoken about or maybe you've heard that we win our battles on our knees. And what that means is that there's different Bible verses in the Bible. The Bible says that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And through that name, many things can happen. And you can see that in the Bible. You can see that through some of the stories that we talk about at this church. So I understood the value of prayer. And I also understood that sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's silent. And it could drive me crazy. But there's been so many different battles that have got me through my tough seasons because I understood that I can fight with my words. I can complain because I do that quite often. But I could also just sit down. Quiet down and go to pray because that's something I learned at my previous church. I learned to worship God with my words. I know oftentimes people like me, we make fun of people who are super eloquent and they have vocabulary words that we can't even pronounce. And they have different, you know, your vocabulary is up here. But God has given you such a beautiful gift to paint a beautiful picture of God. I don't have that. At least I don't think I do. But I've seen some of the things that you write on social media. I have heard how you describe your love for your spouse. And those same words can be used to praise God. And there's going to be a time in our lives where we come to church and our prayer is going to be a warrior-like prayer where you just need God to intervene. 
And there's going to be a time when you come to church and you're just going to want to worship God for every good thing that he has done. And I've also learned, and I'm going to focus on this one, that I can use prayer to build my relationship with God. Now, I know some of you may be here for the first time, and this may sound and look weird, but just like I believe that God is here, and just like I believe that God is in the midst of us, I also believe that God is with me everywhere I go. So when I'm writing a message like today, I can sit down, <laughs> I can put my AirPods on, I can write a message and go, Joe, God, what should I say next? And then I stay quiet. And I know it sounds weird for some of us. Like the concept of having a real conversation with God is something that we don't often talk about because it's not, you know, it's just for whatever the reason. But I learned those beautiful lessons at my previous church. Like I learned that I could be driving and I could just have a conversation with God and, and really truly believe that he's right there with me. And right there with me. And those are those conversations. So when I say take it to God, those are the conversations I'm talking about. If there's anything in this message that just makes you feel weird, like have the conversation with God. Have it with us too. But let's learn to build a relationship with God through prayer. Through prayer. I still truly believe that my previous church, they're trying their best to be obedient to the voice of God. I believe to this day that they're trying their best to be a beacon of hope in their community. Now, it didn't work out for me, and that's fine. And this church may not work out for you, and that's fine. And the beautiful thing about all of this is that if you keep praying, you'll find your home. You will find your home. And it's all good. All is good. But there's also certain things that I learned that I, it's taken me a long time to this day to unlearn. Some of you have heard things like covenant contracts. And, and most of us maybe haven't heard the word, but a covenant contract is a contract between you and God that the church oversees. So at a previous church, if you wanted to host, if you wanted to preach, if you wanted to be part of ministry, if you wanted to be a part of anything, there was a contract that you were signing once a year. And in the contract, you had the list of responsibilities that you had to do. What time to show up to church, what time to leave, when to get out of your seat to go back and do whatever you were going to do, when to come back in. I mean, there was a list of things that you needed to do, and that's great. But on the other side, there was also a list of do's and don'ts that had Bible verses attached to them. And the list of do's and don'ts, I mean, to this day, I still think they're okay. But what I want to focus your attention today is on Matthew 23, verse 3 and 4. Matthew 23, verse 3 and 4, it says this. Now, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Now, who are the Pharisees? The religious leaders of its time. People like me. Maybe you're here and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. This could be you as well. And it says this. For they don't practice what they teach. Now, truth be told. Most people that I've worked alongside do in ministry, most of them are trying to do that. They are trying their best to practice what they teach. They do. But what I want to focus on is verse 4. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Now, a lot of us have been the recipient of this. But I want to focus on our attention on the given end of this because I think a lot of us, to a certain degree, have done this. Whether it's you as a dad, as a mom, raising your kids, whether it's you, mom, raising, trying to look at your grandkids, I think for a lot of us, we have been here before. See, one of my favorite Bible heroes is Moses, and I love Moses. I can preach and do series after series on Moses because I, I, I see him in me or I see me in him. I love the guy. 
You know, Moses was born in a very, very dangerous time. And his mom thought it would be a good idea to put him in a little basket and hope to God that he will land somewhere. And he did. He landed in the royal family. He grew up as an Egyptian, even though he knew he was an Israelite. And that's a fancy word to say you were a Christian, God's people. And he grew up as an Egyptian. And as he grew older... He noticed an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite and beats him to death. And he realized, Moses did, that if he stays there, if he stays there, the punishment for his crime will be death. And so he runs away. And I know that I've run away from God, and I've been trying to do that for five years. And no matter what I do, no matter how far I go, I always feel God calling me back home. So Moses runs away, and he makes a family. He stayed there for forever. Bible scholars believe that he was there for 40 years. Just running away from God, running away from the crime that he had committed. And the Bible says that God calls him up and says, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt, and I need you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, just to build up a little context, the Israelites at the time were like slaves. It was the whole economy. So God was telling Moses, a murderer, to go back to Egypt where he can possibly face death and tell the Pharaoh, say, hey, man, I know that we build everything for you, but I have this God that tells me to tell you to let my people go. And through a series of ten plagues and a series of a, of, of, of a lot of different things, they fainted. They eventually leave. Now, the Bible says at one point in their journey, God tells Moses to build them a tabernacle. Now, a tabernacle is a fancy word to say a church. It was a portable church. And he was very specific about the length, the width, the height, the angels, how they were going to decorate it. There was an outer court, which is where you were sitting. And then there was an inner court, which was separated by a curtain. And this place over here was called the dwelling place of God. The innermost place, the holy of holies, the most holy place. And only one person was allowed to enter this place. And that was the priest. Now, the Bible was also very specific about what the priest was wearing. Very specific about this. The color scheme, the jewels, everything. Now, the Bible says that the dude was wearing a little bell. And Bible scholars believe that they would wrap around a rope around their ankles. Because if this priest were to enter this place over here, and he was not living a life that reflected Christ, boom, dead. And so they had to drag him out. So enter me. Enter Raphael. How do I, and, and enter me and my opinions. And we start doing things where it says they crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden because I helped influence a, peop, influence a group of people that became great actors. I helped influence a group of people that became great actors. It was all gravy if you were sitting here. Like if you were struggling there, all is good, man, love and grace. If you had doubts, all is good, love and grace. If you had questions, all is good is love and grace. But the moment you decided, in my mind, that you wanted to be on this side of ministry, which means that you wanted to serve, which means that you wanted to be a part of the worship team or preach or media team or children department, whatever it was, for it just clicked. It was different. So let me take you through a conversation that I would have with people, because when I was, I was a youth pastor, and I'm going to do a pastor at the time. Give me a second. There would go something like this. Yo, man, I'm so glad and I'm so thankful that you want to be a part of young adult ministry. I can see a calling over your life, and I can see anointing over you, and I can see that you really love the Lord. But if you want to be part of this ministry, man, there's certain things that you need to start changing about yourself. 
one of which the music you listen to. Because let's be honest, dude, if you want to be part of the worship team, the music you listen to matters. And the music that you listen to has to be reflective of God. So if you're going to be a part of ministry, man, I need you to stop listening to things like Jay-Z and, and Beyonce and, and, you know, Linkin Park or whatever it was. Because if you want to be a holy person and you want to go from there to here, you need to stop listening to things that don't edify you, that don't bring a message, that don't bring positive things over your life. And by the way, if Jesus was here, he would also agree with this. Here's another conversation that we will have. Listen, man, I love the fact that you express yourself to clothing, but if you're going to be part of ministry, man, if you, want, if you want to be part of this church, I need you to change the way you dress. To forget about wearing hats at church. You, if, the United, if the president of the United States was here, would you really be wearing a president? No, right? And if the president was here, would you really be wearing shorts to church? No, right? And if the president was here, would you really be wearing sandals? Because if the president was here, there's no way that you would do that to him. So why would you do that to God? So if you want to be part of this ministry, I need you to change the way you dress. And not only do I need you to do that, but I need you to start showing up every single Monday because I was on adult ministry. And every single Thursday because I was youth ministry. And I need you to fast. The Bible says that certain things will happen unless we pray and fast. So if you want to be part of this, you need to come every single Monday and every single Thursday. And we need, we're going to pray for an hour. And get away with the idea that you're going to pray in your mind because if you are a real Christian, I need to hear your voice. And in order for, you, for, for me to hear your voice, I need you to stand up and act like it matters because we have a great responsibility. I need you to pray loudly. And what about fasting? Listen, it's cool that a pastor fasts, but if you're going to be a part of youth ministry and young adult ministry, then I need you to fast. And fasting means that you're not going to eat food, so get away with the idea that you're going to fast social media. And get away with the idea that you're going to fast just me. If we're going to fast as a church, then I need you to come to this team. And I need you to stop eating food from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep because that's what it means to be holy. And by the way, man, are you tithing? Because if you're not tithing, man, then you're not responsible enough to come up here. Now, if that doesn't sound overwhelming to you, those will be some of the conversations that we will have with people that meant that you were coming from the outer courts to this course. And why did we do this? Because I needed you to prove to me that you were worthy of serving the Lord. And I want you to sit with that in a second. And I want you to stay in the awkwardness of the statement. You needed to prove to me that you were worthy of serving God. The list of do's and don'ts, they, they came from a good place. Now, do I believe that it's important to watch what you hear? Yes. Do I believe that it's important that you wear things that you think are appropriate? That's between you and God, so yes. Do I believe that prayer matters? Yes. Do I believe that fasting matters? Yes. But oftentimes, we, we, we perpetrated this idea that in order for you to feel be, like you belonged, there was a list of do's and don'ts that you needed to do. So when I say that I helped influence people to be great actors, what I'm saying is that what, what it be, what, the thing that became the easiest was to check those bosses because it was easier to put on a nice shirt on a Sunday. Like it was easier to come to church and lift your hands because that's what Christians do. Like it was easier to come to church and say you fasted, even though nobody can really see if you did. But it was easy. Dude, I fasted. It was great. It was hard. But I fasted. And all of those things were to prove to me that you were worthy of playing up here in the worship band or doing the media or doing whatever it was. And some of us, we still do church that way. See, it cracks me up because my wife and I have this conversation all the time. My mom has a different set of expectations for me than she does for the rest of my brothers. 
I just recently told my mom, because I did, you know, I still do, like, I want to get a tattoo, and she went to town. Like, you love the Lord. You are a Christian. Why would you do that? Why would you put that in your body? Like, yo, mom, Brian did that like a month ago, and it was all gravy. But I have to keep proving to you that I love the Lord because to you, if I check this box and I didn't put a tattoo in my body, that means I'm a follower of Christ. To this day, to this day, I struggle with this. I don't like celebrating Halloween. I don't care if you do. But it's been so ingrained in my mind that doing anything that appears to be occult is a sin. Now, my daughters to participate. We still do it, but I don't dress up. Mm. It feels weird. To this day, I have never seen a Harry Potter movie. Not one. One giggle. Not one. To this day, just about five, like a year ago, I finally started buying Pokemon cards with my, for, for my daughter because my mom threw them all away because they were from Satan himself. <laughs> you know, so growing up in an environment like that, you know what it does? It creates a lot of shame. It creates a lot of embarrassment. I don't know if you guys have ever done something like this where you're trying to preach and say a message and then feel like, man, God, I did not pray enough. I can't check the box. Lord, I, I didn't fast enough. I can't check the box. Lord, I, I tried hard, but I didn't worship enough, so I can't check the box. And then you come up here and you're trying to be used with God, but all you think about is, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to grab the mic. I'm not good enough to play the guitar. I'm not good enough to host. I'm not good enough. And it created an environment that was so much easier to just pretend that you had it together. Because otherwise, if you spoke to the wrong person who happens to speak to the right person, and some of you probably were involved in churches like this, by next week, you were no longer up here. You were sitting down in the front pew because you were being canceled. All while the whole church knew that you did something wrong, apparently. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands that not even you or me can do on a day-to-day basis. Now, let me read something to you. If you're here today and you are more like me who are still struggling with this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 5 says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience, And your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit of work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now listen to verse 3. All of us used to live that way. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now listen to verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and we will never, ever, ever understand the full extent of mercy. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you earned. Mercy is not receiving what you had deserved to receive. In this case, if you keep reading, it says God loved us so much that even though we were dead, and that's just a fancy way to say that we were all destined to go to hell because of our sins, He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead to say that now we have the opportunity to go live in heaven with our Savior. God is so rich in mercy. Some of us are going to get so upset when we go up to to heaven and you realize that there's a person in there that you thought doesn't deserve to be there in the first place. Some of us are going to get so angry seeing the people up there 
who you believe that didn't check those boxes. Moses killed the dude. And yet all God told him to do was, like, yo, man, all is good. Just go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I think if Moses lived today, we all know this to be true. There's no way he's grabbing a microphone next week. No way. If we go back and read the story of David, there is no way David will ever, 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 ever get another microphone in the future. No way. We will never understand the full extent of God's mercy and God's grace. And all that to say is instead of creating a space with good actors, can we continue to create a space where we can continue to be vulnerable and we can champion each other out and we can encourage each other. And for those who have been doing this for a very long time, you know this is difficult. You have good movements. You have good seasons. There are seasons that you don't pray or worship. And then you go back and realize how dumb you were. So you go back and doing those things because they're, they're beautiful and great. But can we continue to just champion each other out and continue to help each other out? Number two, I help influence people to focus on the outside and ignore the inside. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I am going to read it. Matthew 23, verse 25 to 26 says this. While sorrow awaits your teachers or religious laws and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup in the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Growing up in church, it would always crack me up because you always had this one mom. It was, it's almost always moms, never always dads on this case, who cares so much about how the kids were dressed up in church. Like, they were so concerned. They didn't care if they were worshiping or praying. They just wanted their kids to look nice and presentable. And I think often that's exactly what we do for those who are parents. I have spoken to so many. I, think, I mean, they're not even kids. I'm 34. And I've spoken to other 35, 36-year-old people who are still trying to make their parents proud because they, they want to check all the boxes and expectations that the parents have for them, only for them to hear, I'm not proud of you in a different way. Parents, your kids don't have to prove anything to you to be loved. They are loved by you regardless. Let them know that. I still talk to 35-year-old people who still are shamed down by those expectations that you laid out, laid out. You laid it out. It wasn't a God thing. It was a mom thing. It wasn't a God thing. It was a dad thing. Love your kids. You don't got to prove anything to me. None. Zero. Is between you and God. And when we read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Those are three things that nobody can gauge for you. I can't check the box for you. I don't know if you're up here with a pure heart. I don't know if you're doing ministry with a clear conscience. I don't know if you're trying to live out your life faithfully as you go out of this place. That is something between you and God. And if you ever want to feel, if you ever want, if you ever want to have a conversation, have that conversation with God. Go on your car. Go on a drive and say, Lord, is there anything in my heart that should not be there as I serve you? Is there anything in my mind that should not be there as I serve you? Is there anything that I can do as I continue to walk out this faith that is not glorifying you? I just want to be able to live a life that you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. I just want to live a life that you can be proud of. 
that you can be proud of. And then we get to Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 to 51. It says this, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice and said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. And one of them ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What used to be reserved for leaders and pastors and priests was not broken so that everybody in this room has the same access to Jesus. We all have the same access to Jesus. We all can run. We don't have to go to the most holy place or the innermost place. The cool thing about our faith today is that God is with us everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. If you want to go back and read chapter 10, it's great. But I want you to focus on the language of Jesus. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain. We have the access. We have access to the presence of God when he died and shed his blood on the cross. And then verse 21 says this, and since we have a great high priest who rules over, the, over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. How? With sincere hearts. A pure heart. That's all God is asking of us. A sincere, pure heart. Fully trusting. Now listen what he says about conscience. For a guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with water. Now the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 that because of the blood that was shed on the cross, you have been fully forgiven. You have been fully forgiven. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Through the blood that was shed on the cross, you are healed. 1 Peter verse 2 to 24. And this has been my journey. This verse has been my journey. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. All he's asking of us is to come to him with pure hearts. And that could be anger. And that could be madness. I have shared with, with many of you my, through hosting the different seasons that I've been with God. And a lot of it has been angry. Angry. But you come with the, you're not faking it. You're not pretending that it's not there. Come with a pure heart. Come with good conscience. And just try your best to live out this faith. One of my favorite stories, and i end with this. One of my favorite stories is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And if you ever want to read a great story and, and realize what happened during the first brick and mortar church ever, King Solomon built it. Now, King David wanted to be the person who did it, but the Bible says that God told him that his fans were full of blood. Full of blood, so he didn't want him to do it. But he wanted King Solomon to do it. And I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1, all the way to 12, you see three things happening. 
Number one, you see that the whole community, everybody, was working together to build the church. They were, all of them were. It wasn't just the pastor or the elders. It was the whole community. Number two, they were trying their best to live out their faith. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not going to fall in sin. It just means that you're going to get up and just keep trying to not repeat the same sinful patterns and just keep moving forward. They were trying their best to live out their faith. Number three, they were praying and worshiping before they came together on a Sunday. Look, I'm not going to tell you to come to me every single Sunday, and I want to hear you pray. But I think we can all agree that if we're going to be followers of Christ who are faithfully walking in this journey, prayer is a key component. Worshiping is a key component. Now, the crazy thing is that oftentimes we say churches cannot judge people. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we will be judged by the fruits that we produce. What that means is the marks that you leave behind, are they pointing to Jesus? The things that you produce, are they pointing to Jesus? The things that you say, are they pointing to Jesus? The things that you think, are they pointing to Jesus? A great way for you to find out if you've been walking faithfully is to look back and see what fruits you've been producing and see the things that you've been saying and see the things that you've been doing. And they said that they were all praying and worshiping together before Sunday night. We get to verse 13 and 15. It says this, At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue the service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. What a beautiful picture. If you keep reading, you say that the Levites, which were the worshipers, they couldn't even sing a song because they were so overwhelmed by the presence of God. The priests couldn't grab a microphone because they were overwhelmed by the presence of God. And they were overwhelmed. And then in the middle of all of this, King Solomon stood up and prayed a beautiful prayer. Now, if you want to go back and read how God responded to the prayer, it will be in chapter 7. But here are four things, and I promise it won't take long from here. Number one, let this be a place where people can pray. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 21 says this. May you hear the humble and earnest request. May you hear the humble and earnest request. There will be a time where you're going to come to this place and you're going to pray like your life depended on it. I would love to pray with you. There will be a time where you're going to come into this place where you're going to worship God through prayer. Let's create the space for you. There's going to be a time when you come and you just want to grow in your faith and you just want a little corner in here to spend time with the Lord. Can we create a space for you? Number two. He stood up and said, let this be a place where people can solve their differences. Verse 22 to 23 says this, if someone wrongs another person and is required to take a note of innocence in front of you altar at this temple, then hear from heaven and judge between your servants. Can we continue to create a place here where even though you grew up in a very church environment and even though you come from a different religious background, that we can have a healthy discourse where we may have to disagree and it's okay. It's okay. One of my favorite Bible verses is, there is no greater love than this is to lay down your life for, your, for the sake of your brother. 
What that means is if we come together every Sunday and we 100% serve each other, there will be a time where someone's going to say something offensive or something that will be mean-spirited. But can we assume the best in others? Assume the best in others and solve them here at this place. Because I've been telling you this could be the most divisive place in the world. Number three, let this be a safe place where the prodigal son can return. Verse 24 to 25 says this, If your people Israel are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned against you, and if they turn back and acknowledge your name and pray to you here in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people. Now who's the prodigal son? That's me. And someone who used to belong, who left, and has returned. And oftentimes what happens is when they return, instead of embracing loving, we ask them a million questions. Dude, why did you leave? Why did you go? I saw the social media pictures and you were checking those boxes then. Why are you here? But can we be that place and can we continue to create the space where we could just bring them in? Because if it wasn't for that here, there is no way that I'll be serving the Lord today. Zero. None. None. Lastly, let this be a place where the foreigner can find a home. In the future, according to verse 32 and 33, foreigners, and that could be as complicated as someone outside the country, or as simple as someone from Garden Grove, Anaheim, Santa Ana, from the hood. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your church will hear of you. Now, who are they talking? He's not talking about me. He's talking about God. They will hear of you, God. They will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand, like the things that he has done, and your power from the things that only he can do. And when they pray towards this church, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. That will be, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church where we don't expect them to check every single box that we want them to check. A church where you don't have to prove anything to me. But a church where we assume and we as a congregation, we as a people of voice. A church where we, we can do everything we do with a pure heart, a clear conscience, and walk in genuine faith. If you all can stand up with me and then I'll go ahead and pray. If you want to come down here during the response time, and you want to use this time to pray, to worship, or if you need prayer, I want to open this up for you. I'm going to pray, then Ms. Aubrey's going to come up here and close us. Feel free to linger. But let me pray. Father, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Lord. There's been so many times where, God, where I've entered your presence feeling ashamed and feeling like I don't deserve it, Lord. And I know that every time I enter this place, just looking at you makes me realize that you are more than enough. Your grace is more than enough. Your mercy is more than enough. And Lord, I pray that you will help us walk our faith with a clear conscience, a pure heart, and with a genuine attitude. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, I'm a-
just want to say another thank you to Raphael for such a great message. Um, yeah, it was so um, wonderful to listen to. And um, I think something that really stood out to me is just when he said, we all have the same access to Jesus. And I think that reigns so true. Um, I think, you know, we all come from such different walks of life and we, you know, all ended up here, which is super cool. And, um, you know, I came here thinking, you know, it's just going to be the same. I'm not going to fill out the connection card. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to, you know, show up and, you know, hope that nothing goes wrong. And um, I really limited um, myself to Jesus. And so hearing the message today, it just was a great reminder that we do have that access and I know we do a lot of the plugs with like when we say like oh come to this for community or fill out the connection card but um, it rained so true in my life that just filling out that little card introduced me to some of like my best friends that I have in life now and um, just introduced me to a community that when I was at other churches I would walk through their lobbies and look around and seeing people talk and I always thought like God am I ever going to have that like am I ever going to have where I get to walk into a building and get to talk to people and um, I would look at the cameras and think oh my gosh I would love to be a part of production when other churches would just look at me and say oh well just go to kids ministry and I was like but I want to like you know do tech things because it's just what I love and I always just felt like um, you know maybe that was never for me but when coming here to voice and hearing messages like today and just really what Taka and Natalie stand for um, it's just that you know this is a community of people who are ready to give you that same access that we all have to Jesus and um, I just yeah I could talk about it forever but it's a beautiful experience and um, love hearing what we got to hear today and what we continue hearing um, and that's when I'll just plug the connection card again <laughs> that uh, you know if you did decide to fill it out or if you fill it out after service or you're just kind of thinking about it um, in the interim um, there's boxes in the back that you can just slip it into if you're not ready to have a long chit chat but there's also um, in the back a really amazing group of people who are ready to talk that I was thankful I talked to and then um, every Sunday we take a free will offering and you can do that online um, there's like a text and a link behind me so you can do that or you can slip it into that same box um, it's just you know whatever God's calling you to like kind of what we talked about today and so um, just want to end today with um, just a dismissal prayer um, and something we do here is we hold out our hands just to receive what um, God is saying to us and you know do as you're comfortable but I'll end us in prayer. Um, dear God thank you for um, your beautiful words and creating the space for us and speaking through Raphael to us today. We just thank you for bringing us all together and really giving us a space to get that full access to you. And we ask that you just hold that in our hearts as we go out into the week that we are not limited by, you know, our past experiences or what we've felt, but we have the full access to you and um, we can, you know, use the hearts that you've gifted us with to um, do your will and use the gifts you've given us. Um, we thank you for this time and we ask that you speak through us, with us, and um, just to everyone around us. So we thank you for this Sunday and um, we hope everyone has a beautiful day. Amen.